Welcome to Data Hurdles, a weekly podcast where we explore the impacts data and technology have on our day-to-day lives. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. All right. Welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Thanks for joining in. And guess what, Michael? We have a special guest, Matthew Cox. Hey, Chris. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? Welcome, Matthew. How's your How's your week going? The week's going fabulous. Looking forward to Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you know, obviously being a veteran, it kind of has a special meaning to me, but looking forward to hot dogs and hamburgers as well. Yeah, oh, that's too. great. That's really great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so Matthew Cox has tons of experience in uh, the realm of all things data management. Um, I'm going to let Matthew talk a little bit about himself and and before we start going into our topic, but our topic today will be uh, the challenges of implementing master data management and how to overcome some of those challenges. Uh, but Matthew, I'm going to give it over to you for a minute. Sure. So let me talk a little bit about you know how I've come into this role or this knowledge or domain right of, of data management. And it's interesting because you know I started my career and I've been in this high tech field for over 20 years. But I started really focusing very specifically on engineering, software engineering and consulting. Uh, and it was really about platforms and it was really about tools. And so data was about, you know, what am I entering into some fields? Because I got to have someone enter something into a field so I can do some transaction with it. So it was really all about the platform and tooling and algorithms and capabilities and not about data. Uh, when I left consulting and ended up going to large corporations, I've worked for a number of large high-tech companies, uh, it was intriguing to me how data became such a big topic. I mean, everyone started talking more about data, and I said, well, isn't it just about the platforms that we just want to run a finance transaction? Who cares about the data? Uh, and what I found over time is this data topic kept coming up. And what was interesting for me as an ex- from an experiential standpoint is I really didn't think about the value of data as a as a technical resource or as a technician. I, it really didn't hit me until I moved kind of out of the tech realm and went into more of a sales and operations or sales and marketing operations role. Uh, and my first time to really you know, kind of conceive this idea of something similar to MDM was dealing truly with actually a, a challenge that we were having from the sales operations side on compensation and trying to understand how do I compensate field sales reps when I can't even, there's multiple duplications of these locations and companies, and how do I even know how I'm assigning the sales rep to an account? And and all these business challenges kept coming my way. And I said, you know what, we really have got to find a way to consolidate this data. And we, that was my first real run into MDM. It was really a, a former version of MDM called CDI. It was customer data integration because it was really about the purpose of just how do we organize data for a purpose, right? That we were trying to fulfill in this case was sales operations and compensation management. And so I we built literally from scratch a custom platform to do CDI. Uh, and when I left that organization and went to a new one, I moved out of, out of a sales operations mode into a marketing operations. Again, not IT, not tech, but, but very functional in this role. And guess what? Same challenge hit. Now I'm in a marketing <laughs> field and marketing role and we're trying to figure out who are all these companies and who are trying to market to and how do I do account-based marketing and how do I figure out it's just it's like are you ready to pull your hair out and that was my first real time to say listen I, I've kind of experienced this before let's look at actually doing and building a platform at that time we'd matured to the point where MDM was now a real term so mastery management actually was conceived in the industry uh, and I started moving 
and and directing an MDM practice, you know, from a functional view, from a functional lens. Uh, and through a few more cycles of this, they end up you know, asking me, well, can you, are, would you like to actually come into IT and lead this whole initiative for us? And that's when I really got into the depth of really enterprise data management. But I think what's been different for me in my journey is that I never approached MDM from a technical perspective. I didn't come to it from a data perspective. I didn't come to it from a from an application or an architecture perspective. I came to it from a, I have a specific business need that I need solved. How can I solve it? And in the end, it became MDM. That was the way and the means by which I could deliver that. And so that's how I kind of came into this role. And as you begin to look at MDM, MDM is the start to when you really begin to expand out now things like data governance things like enterprise data management compliance now all these things start to build on it so my experience kind of started with platforms ran into functions came up with this idea and recognition i have to solve something vmdm and it sprouted really for me enterprise data management and how do we look at that across a, an enterprise corporation Matthew, I think that is so interesting, especially how you evolved into the MDM space from a yeah. value-driven perspective. And I think this is kind of leading into our next question, but can you explain a little bit of the common challenges that organizations face when implementing MDM? Sure. So the, you know, one of the things that, so MDM is kind of an interesting challenge in that MDM by itself is really hard to justify within a corporation. So a lot of throughout my through my career, one of the great challenges that I talked to other, both vendors and other organizations was how do I sell MDM in to a company? How, how do I demonstrate the need or the value or why this should be invested? So I think, you know, number one, you know, how do you, how do you fund or get, get energy around an MDM program is one. Uh, how do you select and deploy uh, a, a, a MDM platform, right? A third-party platform. You know, there's a there's a number of, of different platforms out there, a number of different vendors. How do you even go about selecting you know such a capability? You know, I think number three, a, a challenge uh, is the domain expertise. Uh, it's you know, MDM is a very has a very totally. specific set of knowledge and information and practices and principles tied to it that that it's hard to be successful in an MDM effort unless you understand that domain is totality. And I think the other, the last part I would say in general is, is how do you, when you think about going through an MDM process, what is your, your point of reference from a data quality standpoint? And how do you, how do you know with what you're building is consistent, it's quality, it's been vetted or validated. You know, those are four areas I, I can think off the top of my head that, really kind of hit into some of the challenges. Let me kind of walk through the first one a little bit. The justification, it's very hard to justify just from an architecture or a technology standpoint. I, I have said all along that I'm, I appreciate how I entered into this industry because I came to it from a functional challenge perspective. So I've always guided, whether it's my role or I, as I've consulted with other groups, that to come in with a business use case, come in with a business challenge that really presses MDM as a solution that's necessary to solve that challenge. And today, you know, I think what's interesting as well for me is that the, you know, I kept hearing MDM is going to slow down. MDM is going to slow down. I think MDM is really at its, at, really at its peak right now. It continues to grow because compliance Absolutely. is a great use case. Compliance is a wonderful use case. Now, now there's mandates, <laughs> right? Before it was, hey, I just really would like to have great marketing. But now it's, hey, from a compliance standpoint, you'd better understand 
who that individual is. You'd better understand who that company is because if you don't, you're gonna, you could be in a compliance challenge, right? And there's regulations and fines and things that come with it. So I think it's easier today than ever to find those use cases, but you have to have a use case. You know, from a, a selection standpoint and from a domain standpoint, you know, I think any organization that's entering into this needs to find a good system integrator. They need to find an organization that can really help them walk through the process of, of you know, mm -hmm. delivering on the value of the domain, which is very important, but then also selecting a platform that meets the specific needs of an organization. There is no one size fits all. You know, I know, you know, there's, there's Gartner and there's Forrester and there's all these rankings. But the reality is at the end of the day, you, you really have to profile your organization. What, what do you need as a company? You the size of company you have, the number of sources you have, what you're trying to pull out of this platform. You really have to be customize your selection of a vendor based on how you're profiled, not by how the industry ranks particular organizations, because their ranking may not of their configuration may not match what you're trying to seek out specifically for your company. And I think the final one is, you know, it, it's really hard to take to simply take one P data, establish an MDM platform, and then give yourself a, a grade A that you've that you've curated and validated and everything's perfect. I have in every instance that I have delivered MDM, which I've delivered it across five different organizations now, uh, I have leveraged a third-party data provider. Right. There's many on the industry, Dunbrad Street, Moody's, LexisNexis, that I've always leveraged a, a validated third party authority to help me gauge how good is my data? How well am I validating? Am I bringing in the right data? Am I able to match it correctly? What ways in which what I'm trying to demonstrate this data? Is it aligned with some of these industry partners? And that gives me confidence to go back to my stakeholders and say, listen, I've 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 demonstrated my use case, I've selected a platform, I've leveraged the domain skill necessary to configure MDM in a way that's going to suit our business need, and I now can verify and validate what we've done against an industry standard, I can now go back to my stakeholders with confidence. It's crazy. I think, I think we're getting a bunch of uh, really great quotes, so keep going, uh, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, look, I, you know, working with a lot of data stores and IT business leaders on implementation of MDM. One of the things I find truly amazing, and I think this is unique to you, Matthew, is that you really start with the value-driven approach, right? You have the value defined, you have the risks defined, and the reasoning behind why you're moving into uh, deploying an MDM for a specific use case. So often I work with even CDOs and people very high up who they're doing this transformation, but they don't have the cost of bad data and the value of good data fully mapped out in their storyline. And what happens is they get lost in this ambiguous space where they don't know if they should be prioritizing customer or organization, what the cost of having bad data in there is going to do to their organization. And even sometimes how is that information being consumed downstream? I think there are so many common challenges like that where if you have that end-to-end -end story that you're saying you've mapped out several times predefined it helps with prioritization. It helps with defining the MVP and driving that clarity and transparency to your business stakeholders that, hey, this is why we're doing it. And this is what we're going to get out of it, more importantly, and which how we're going to expand in the future to create even more value for the business. Which is which um, there's a seed of irony in that a bit, because yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the core of MDM, uh, I have always sold it on and presented it in two terms, and that's trust and value. Um, and if you don't, 
think through the process of good data versus bad data. If you don't think through the fact that you've been able to measure and monitor and quantify and validate the data that you're delivering, and that you have, say, data governance processes around how you manage the data and deliver it, you have a really hard time creating trust. At the end of the day, if, if it doesn't matter how much of a transformational work I've gone through, it doesn't matter how many times I, or how many people I've worked on a platform, it doesn't matter how long it's taking me to deliver it, if I can't deliver trust as a first part of the conversation with the stakeholders, I've never even left first base. I've never, I never, remember, I never got up to the plate to hit the ball. Yeah. And so I think that you, you have to look at this from, from those two vectors. If I have to create a very trustable single source of truth, then I have to demonstrate what's the value of that single source of truth. And it has to be intrinsic to those, to those particular lines of business, stakeholders or partners, because if they, I can say all day, it's like, listen, isn't it valuable for you to have a hierarchy? Isn't it valuable for you to understand, you know, company ABC in its totality? And, they're, and they look at me with, with like deer in the headlights, I, how am I even supposed to use that? Then they really are yeah. concerning the value of what I'm able to deliver. So if they don't trust what I deliver, if they don't see the value that I've delivered, then guess what? My MDM program just got scuttled and I'm now on to, you know, project number two or number three. And the sad thing is I've seen a number of MDM programs actually come to a crashing halt because they weren't able to demonstrate both of those in cohesion to the, that stakeholder that helped fund the program. Yeah, something I read oh, uh, quickly, sorry, uh, but from Gartner two years ago is that 70% of MDMs fail of uh, implementations. Is it because of the things that you just said or is it, you know, is there something different? Is it just so hard to do? You know, what's the thinking around that? So it's it's kind of a myriad of things, I think, um, that go into that, Number, or at least my perspective is on it. Number one, yes, it is trust and value. I think number two, I, I can never overemphasize the domain skill that you need to bring to the table when you're going on a mission toward MDM. It's not, it's not as simple as saying, I have some great software engineers, I have some great technicians who we're just gonna go build it or deploy it. You really have to understand almost the art of curation and how you would process that and enable it from a from the MDM domain environment. And I think number three is the that 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 perspective that I we've really talked about this, but I'm I'm a big fan of of incrementalism, of of taking one step, then another step, then another step, then another step, and building right as you go through almost yeah. like a Lego block. Uh, a number of MDM applications and efforts that I've seen, you, it's it's like this huge waterfall effort, and it's an 18 month or 24 month cycle, and they're going mm -hmm. through all the work. They're trying to solve, you know, not just one domain, but all domains. So they want to have partner and contact and supplier and and product. They want to do <laughs> right. all one big big bang and the reality is that, in, especially when you think about digital transformation, which you alluded to earlier, Michael, you know, in 18 months to two years, it's changed. I mean, things mm -hmm. are moving, things are changing. What you, the mission you start off with to Mars, right? You're not going to Mars now. You're going to Jupiter, and you weren't prepared for Jupiter. You were prepared to go to Mars, but mm -hmm. Mars is no longer the destination. And so, so to me, you have to wrap around the fact that there has to be a core of what you're trying to do. That you can't ever forget trust and value. You have to have uh, the domain experience to understand the product that you're delivering is able to meet the concept and purpose of MDM. And you've got to deliver it in an incremental value associated way that every you have this periodic update that delivers value, delivers value. I mean, it's very much like the whole concept of Agile, right? You're able to move and shift so your MDM platform adjusts. So you've got to think quick hits, quick wins. 
and not try and boil the ocean of domains because it's because it kind of goes against the thought of an MDM, or what a lot of people perceive MDM. I don't have to solve every domain at once. I don't have to solve every source system at once. I can go after two or three source systems, you know, harmonize, curate their data, give them back a source of truth, then I can add a fourth, then I can add a fifth, then I can add a new domain. I, the MDM is built, and I think the, the third party products out there all capable of doing it, it's built to expand, expand and extend based on how your business wants to operate. And to think about it as a long-term shift, you're trying to move down some coastline and you, your destination is far off, you, you've missed the mark. You've missed your ability to adjust and move as the business moves. And those are things I've seen historically that cause MDM practices and programs to fail. It, that is such an interesting statement there. And I think that, you know, if we, if we kind of dial that back a bit, when we're talking about why a company engages in an MDM, right? And peel that back a little bit. In your experience, is that more on um, the need to innovate and like the desire to grow? Or typically, is this something where maybe something happened? You know, they've hit a problem point. What is the thing that sparks funding MDM in a larger organization? And, and how do you guide them through A to Z? I think you've kind of talked through that it is a process. Um, but I guess the initial point of traction, one of the co most common questions that I get when I'm running these boards is like, well, how do we get started? How do we get business stakeholders to buy in and just see the light at the end of the tunnel? So I, I think from in today, today's world's a little bit different than you know, 10, 15 years ago when we're talking about, I think, I think if you look back historically, it was about a problem that needed to be solved, right? I, and like the kind of instance that I talked about, we. If you're trying to do, I'll just use an example. If you're trying to use account-based marketing, I need to understand the account and the contacts and the leads the same in marketing as I understand them in sales. I have to have a way of communicating that across. And that chasm between marketing and sales was so broad for so long, it was a problem that needed to be solved. MDM was a great, and I'd say ABM has been historically the best use case to drive MDM, but it was a problem that needed to be solved. I think today, I think the beauty of how MDMs evolved and how the industry has evolved is it is now more about innovation. And if you begin to look at opportunities around KYC, as an example, if you look around mm -hmm. risk and compliance, where now companies are trying to achieve or innovate to a point where they can, they can either fulfill regulations, they can get ahead of compliance, or they can really get serious about understanding the relationship with a, with a customer. Um, MDM now becomes the innovation there because at the core of all of those is still the need, the very basic need. I have to identify all of these records to one. I've got to be able to deduplicate all these entities into one. I've got to be able to fashion my my the total understanding I have about an account or a person so that I can fulfill these innovative moves toward risk and ESG and to compliance. So for me, it's it's been a transition. And what I would look to is really kind of both an organization because I, I think that there's still so many challenges if you if you could say like old school challenges of, of marketing talking to sales it still exists in many companies so you still have you know problem areas you can hit but because of the way that we're trying to now go to market with kyc type tools you can literally talk in both veins at any corporation and sell that concept of mdm to both and get the benefit of being in both places because as far as i'm concerned mdm is innovative you can great, create great innovative solutions with it. And that's what really I've been in business to do is to drive innovation through MDM. I love it. It's, it's, um, it's so true too, right? I mean, 
one of the things that I see in the market as well is that the language of MDM and really the language of data is evolving and it's becoming significantly more common across business stakeholders, across executives, where no longer are they just saying, you know, show me a report, but they actually are starting to understand the importance of how all of this builds on top of one another to create value in a pipeline. Uh, and really the backbone of the infrastructure on how decisions are made. Are you seeing any kind of change like that in the organizations that you've worked for or the places that you've gone where data is no longer is something subject to just the IT folks, but everybody across the organization is leveraging the power of information? You know, we, we you didn't hit off with the theme of data-driven, right? So you're kind of hitting this idea of data-driven. <laughs> I want to understand, talk to me about the data. and. You know, data-driven really is not a new concept, right? We've been talking about data-driven. I mean, the the, the original um, reporting was about you know executive decision making, right? It's all about how do I get decision support, right? Was some of the first reasons we had reporting out, right? Just help the decision yep. process. Uh, but to your point, uh, most of it was just give me the result. I just want to see the report. Just give me the numbers. Just give me the numbers. Just give me the numbers. Um, I think what's been interesting for me is because, and I, I'll, I'll dial it, at least in my experience, it may not have been everybody's experience, but in my experience, compliance has really driven that understanding of, I, gotta, I have to understand the data. It's not enough for me to know that we comply. It's not enough to know this risk. I have to understand the data behind it because there's so much more, uh, the regulations are so much more myopic on how is data being treated and what's that data that's in place where is it being stored i mean there's you know, articles about facebook right recently there's you know they had a big mm -hmm. decision against them from the eu about just where data is stored mm -hmm. right so i think that it is becoming more commonplace and but the question becomes then how do you enable that right how do you get the data to them in a in a, in a factor that makes makes sense and to me this this leans a little bit into data governance right because data governance for me is not just a handful of bureaucratic, you know, bureaucratic policies and procedures. It's really about, at the end of the day, to me, it's about enablement, right? How are you enabling data to be used? And that enablement comes in various forms, right? How do I standardize it? How do I make it so it's accessible? So think about a data catalog. How do I describe the information so that when an executive or you know even a person in sales support or maybe customer services sees some information, you know, they can understand the meaning and purpose of that attribute, that data attribute. So if you think of data dictionaries in the past, you know, how am I defining that information so it's easily collectible metadata? So data governance, in, in, from my perspective, is driving a, the not only the a, a means by which we can better organize and profile our data, think policies and procedures, that's you know, typical table stakes, right, for data governance, but it's really about how do I put in the methods in which I can enable its use, the, the methods in which I can classify it, clarify it, and measure it in a way that becomes meaningful to those end consumers. So to me, data governance has taken a much bigger role beyond the old days of, okay, what's my deletion or retention policy? Very boring, everyone falls asleep. But I think today it's about how do I harness those capabilities that, that enable a new audience of MDM and data to engage. And, and as part of that, to have confidence because I've looked at the catalog, I read the dictionary component on it, I understand the metadata, I see the lineage where it came from, I now have faith that what I just saw is real and is able to fulfill the business process I'm engaging right now. Really interesting. And, you know, when we talk about this process of truly understanding the governance of this data, right, the use cases, the transparency between different stages of that information evolving, 
into value. Um, what strategies can organizations think to employ uh, to kind of drive that culture of change, right? I think that is a new way of thinking still, and it still is evolving across an organization. How do you get folks to adopt this process of understanding the data, enabling governance uh, through this journey? So one of the things that I've done in the past is, is because it's, it's tough to force that engagement, right? So you can't go and edict, right? That I want this group or that group to engage. So what I have, what my, my purpose historically has been to bring members of my stakeholders together, right? So let's say I bring sales and I bring marketing, I bring operations and finance together because there is an end-to-end cycle that covers all of them. If you think about the, the life of a customer, right? The end-to-end life of a customer, they all have a function and a role in it. And what I found was by bringing those groups together into a forum, so called a council or a board or whatever type of, of structure you'd like to create, driving the conversation between them, enabling them to talk through, hey, this is what I received from you from, you know, I'm in sales, this is what I received from you from marketing. Oh, now, hold on, from an operational standpoint, I need this. Oh, wait, what, what I'm, when I'm trying to deliver, right, that product, this is what I need, and the data you gave me from that marketing was wrong. So for me, it was it's been trying to impress upon them opportunities for them to to collaborate and to talk about the exchanges they're having between their business functions, because that's when it becomes very real to them. If I talk about I'm doing I'm doing data transformation and ingestion and curation, and they're like, this is very boring. Give me, you know, take me to dinner, do something, get me out of this. <laughs> but when you talk about it from a business series of step, and you're like, listen, the data we collected in marketing, by the time we got to delivering a product, we, we lost something. We were unable to actually connect the two together. That's when it becomes very real to them because their business flow is being directed, complicated, or potentially enriched by the means of which data is routed through their environment, the means by which it's enriched through environment, and the means by which we can declare step by step by step how it was either improved, how it was diminished, or how it met the standards that we put in place from an end-to-end -end cycle. So for me, it's really about getting those functions together and letting them begin to talk through how data is serving them from one step to another through the end-to-end -end flow. Really nice. Um, I love the idea of kind of counseling multiple parties to try to get them to work through you as an exchange of high quality data. That's really interesting. Well, um, it's, it's for me, for me, Mike, honestly, it's, you know, I've lived the world of, you know, trying to berate groups, right? Yeah. From an IT standpoint, so I get on my IT hill, <laughs> right on my tower and I'm, I'm shooting arrows, right? At everyone in the business because they're not fulfilling what I expect them to fill from it. And again, it can be from even a data governance standpoint, right? I have a data standard, right? So let's say we have a data create standard. I can go to marketing all day and say, listen, you know, I've got to have better data create from you. I need you verify against this. And they're looking at me saying, the business process, you know, I can't have you stopping my engagement from a marketing standpoint. I can't have you being a delay or a barrier in my business process. So from an IT standpoint, from a governance standpoint, from a standard standpoint, I can't relate to them the same value prop as the sales organization who says, I can't even talk to that person until I understand the account that they work for, right? It's now inhibiting my ability. So it's much easier for me to say, listen, you guys collate, converse, I'll consult and tell you what we can do to help you on each step. And then I become less of the, of the I become more of the carrot and less of the stick from a standard standpoint. And that's the role I would prefer to be in from a, from a technology standpoint. Really interesting, and I really appreciate that. It, you know, I think that that is the kind of guidance that everybody needs to listen to, 
is creating that story, listening and putting the right people together to come and work out those issues and how they can be resolved. Um, you know, looking forward to the future, how do you see the landscape of MDM evolving and how should organizations prepare for these changes? Well, to me, it, it's a, I'm very excited about what's coming next. And so uh, let, let's talk for a, just a minute about, about the evolution of MDM, of kind of where it's been, where it's going. Um, what I have seen, you know, historically with MDM, we'll just use some, some specific examples. You, when you manifested an MDM program and platform, you typically create a domain. So let's say a company. So I create a company domain. I now want to master that. And I get that set up. Now I go create another domain. Let's say it's contact. And I want to master that. And then we have, I create another domain that is product. And I have, I have a product domain and I've mastered that. You know, historically, these have been fairly independent activities, right? Where I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on one. I'm trying to fix that. I have certain customers for that. I believe the next step is, is going to expand to almost like a 3D view of that, where we're really going to be moving into what we call cross-entity resolution, where I'm not so concerned just about company. I'm, I'm more concerned about companies, interaction with product, interaction with contact, interaction with all these entities. So I think we're going to, over time, raise the bar on understanding how domains interact, how do entities of data interact. And the concept of, of limiting the number of entities we we govern is going to is gonna explode. I, I believe it'll go from we have one or two, three entities under management to tens of 20s, if not hundreds of entities, because it'll be very easy to pull them all together and understand their relationship. And I really feel it's going to be a necessity, ultimately, from even a compliance standpoint. Because as you look to where compliance regulations are going, it's not enough to just understand the person you know, that you're interacting with as an individual. You've got to understand, yep. okay, well, wh who's, that got, who's that person working for and what's your relationship with them? Okay, well, hold on. That's not enough. Now I need to understand the ultimate business owner of that company entity that's hiring that person that's actually wanting to have a, community, a conversation with you. And so you can be able to see the bridging or this chaining of, of entities, right? And it's not going to be as simple as it has been historically to say, listen, I'm managing companies, go have fun, go to your, your CRM tool and sell all day. It's really going to be saying, I need to understand who I'm trying to sell to in relationship to compliance and risk and ownership and ESG. So the complexity of how you interrelate those different entities together to drive a business decision is going to become vastly more complex and MDM is going to have to rise up to be able to understand those intricate relationships. And I think as part of that, you know, historically in MDM, we, we would pull only the information into MDM that was necessary to create this master record. And, and the best practice has always been to keep it fairly, keep it fairly um, uh, small as far as the number of attributes, right? You keep it fairly lightweight. Uh, I believe we're going to be moving more and more into where, the, where transactional data will be moved more into MDM because I'm going to want to understand that relationship of not just the entity that I'm working with, but that entity and who they are sold to and who the bill to was and who's my first tier, second tier, third tier, you know, channel that I'm working through. So I, I believe the, the days of restricting the amount of the data coming into MDM, restricting the number of domains that I'm managing, I think that's going to break and break, uh, break open into a world where it's going to be a lot more transactional data and a lot more cross-entity resolution. I think it's a very big step for us to move forward. Uh, I think number two, an area that I've been pushing for a lot recently is uh, unstructured data. So natural language processing, you know, the ability to move from just the highly structured data that we've put into MDM to 
driving out and saying, listen, give me all of that unstructured data and let me derive entities from it. Uh, so I'm less mm -hmm. and less, I'm less and less uh, reliant upon individuals who are entering data around records. I mean, think about you know CLM, right? Contract lifecycle management. Typically the metadata yeah. around it's not really strong, but I have every entity involved in that relationship on a in a file, right? In an agreement. So why can't I just extract it straight from there? I think NLP is going to open up into the world. Uh, and I think I talked a little bit about, about UBO. I think the the you know today's lens is I've got a record, I've got some kind of hierarchy or relationship. You know, and, and if you think about it from a, let's just take customer as an example. So company is a domain, customer is a type. Uh, I'm going to want to not only understand that that customer hierarchy, right, or that corporate hierarchy associated with your know, company ABC, but that next tier of really understanding the ultimate beneficial owner and how does that now relate across various companies. I may have one person, you know, Chris may have, you know, 35% ownership in 20 companies, right? All I yep. knew before was that there are 20 companies. Now all of a sudden I realize, wait, Chris is now a pivot point in all those organizations. What does that mean to me? Does it mean anything to me? So I think that's a next tier from an MDM standpoint. And I think finally, what I at least see on the horizon is the need to ease in which we um, in which we deliver new entities. I mean, part of we talked about earlier, right? How long it takes sometimes to make MDM available, how long it takes to organize a domain and Put together subscribership rules and to drive all these pieces in the truth. I think we, you know, third-party vendors or products have to make the ability to absorb and enable a new entity very easy. It's got to be quick. It's got to be painless. It's got to be templatized because I'm I see the growth of entity entities under management growing exponentially as we move forward, especially as we think about ML and AI down the road where we want to feed them more and more data. MDM cannot be the barrier to how we're able to process data. If MDM becomes the stall in the process, yep. because the, the lag time to create these domains and entities, it's gonna become a dinosaur, right, in the game of the future. And, and so MDM has to move and make it a much easier, much more expeditious process to onboard, on-ramp, curate, and deliver new entities as part of the platform. So those, I think, four or five things that are keen in my mind that I think are coming forward in the future. That was a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, this this was great. Um, I have I have nothing else to say to that except yes. Like I completely agree. I think that um, you know, right now we're we're the the analogy of like three blind men with an elephant. Right? We don't have context. We don't have holistic picture of relationships the way that the real world does. And we're going to continue to assimilate closer to that as things evolve in the space. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. I don't know if you have any wrap up words. Um, um, no, rate and review us. All the ratings and reviews is always good for podcasts. Um, certainly, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on uh, Data Hurdles today. I'm Chris Detzel, and I'm Michael Burke. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>